Hello and welcome to the Q York podcast. It's great to have you with us today and we hope that as you listen, you'll be inspired as we continue on our shared quest together. This podcast is entirely free and yet it's not cheap to put together and wouldn't be possible without the generosity of our supporters. So if you consider yourself a supporter of Q, then please head to qyork.co.uk and hit donate to show your support today because there really is no Q without you. Thank you and enjoy today's message. Well, thanks for going to uh, all this trouble. If any of you understand the Enneagram for a six, uh, it's, this is probably harder to handle than the normal week, but thank you. Uh, again, I've no idea how you found all these people who are part of my other life that I live parallel with this one, but whoever did it, thank you. It's so precious. Well, for me to hear it, and of course, I, I, I always feel a bit uncomfortable and embarrassed about my amazingness being declared. <laughs> so I appreciate that, and I know these guys are genuine. You know, I could spend the whole morning, and I would be more comfortable with it, telling you the story of each one of those people, which would absolutely blow you away. But as I've said to you many times before, it's the, it's the willingness of this house to give support and release that has impacted all that, okay? I'm, I'm just the voice. Chris is just the voice. But you've actually, you've actually facilitated all of that. Um, also want to say, you know, a time like this, thanks to Chris. Um, she kind of stumbled into this gig because her parents really didn't give her any other options. And so, so she finished up with me, two complete opposites. But I think, uh, you know, a bit like the positive and the negative, we, we got some power going on between us, which is, which is wonderful. So I appreciate you, Treasure. Uh, and every at home with the Chapmans. Um, also, can't say this because it can be missed. Thanks to Connie and to Joel. Um, if you've never been raised in a ministry family, which Chris was, she's the, she's the daughter of a pastor, and you've not been around that and had to live with it, you have no idea sometimes of the sacrifices and the commitments that your kids have to make initially, because the kids, and then choose to make after that. I, I'm more blessed now with who Connie and Joel have chosen to become than I am with who we made them be, if you see what I mean. But I appreciate you because they not, only, they not only walk with you through what might be perceived as the successes, but they also live through every pain that you suffer. Every time there's a rejection, they feel it. Every time there's accusation, they feel it. Every time there's gossip, they feel it. The wonder to me is that pastor's kids ever make it beyond 16 to stay in church. So you special, you guys. Where's Joel? I don't know where he's hiding. You're special. You're special, Connie. I really appreciate it. So she, Connie said, don't prepare to speak this week. I can't tell you what's going on, but don't fully prepare. But I need you to do about 15 or 20 minutes. So I, I understood, I, I got it, and so I just wanted to share a few reflections on this anniversary. 30, 30 years has had a significance uh, for me way beyond just being an anniversary. Chris will know this. 
Um, when I was 30, 30 years after one of the greatest ventures of our lives, 30 years now, and other 30s that have cropped up, what I can tell you is it's always marked the beginning of something. It's never ever marked the end of anything. It's only ever marked. When we first started out on the journey of the 30s, I was 30. And what I couldn't get out of my spirit was, was when Luke says Jesus began his ministry when he was about 30. It's a time of beginnings, and I believe we're in that same again. Now, now I've battled many emotions in the run-up to this week. Um, and there are three ways of looking at things. Nostalgic, romantic, or realistic. Um, each one of them carries with it its own challenges and its own pains particularly the realistic one. And uh, in pastoral ministry, for as long as I have been in, there are many realisms of people coming and people going and people loving you and people hating you and people being your friend and people being your enemy. Many realisms um, that, that sometimes can be painful, but, but realism is, is necessary, being realistic. I also know I'm, I am, by nature, a melancholic, Right? Just think Eeyore's from Winnie the Pooh, and you've got me tagged, okay? So Eeyore's is married to Tigger. So you can imagine what the issue that's created there. Um, but for a melancholic, all these things, I, I, I tend to nostalgia. I tend to a romantic view of the world. But one of the things that's happened in the last few years is a greater pull on me into realism even in the context of my nostalgic view of God and Scripture and church and my romantic view of Jesus and Scripture and church to a realistic view of God and church and Jesus and the world and life and belief and the Bible. Now, I have to say, over the years, we've done many weird and wonderful things. I don't mean to reflect on every little aspect of our journey, but the wonderful has been the joy of having such a creative and deeply talented team of people to provide a vehicle for the message and the will to do things differently. And that's manifested in everything from productions to, to Narnia, you know, to what you get here every week with these guys and their skills, uh, to Rock City and all that stuff. Um, but we've also done some really weird stuff. And when I look back now, uh, I do feel a tad embarrassed. We've shot arrows into the balcony for the word of the Lord. We, we, we've anointed the pews with oil, prayed over them. We, we, we've done multi-day fasts, which the only sense of anything I ever got indoors was I was blooming hungry. I mean, God could have been a million miles away on some weird planet. I never felt the presence of God. I just felt more and more hungry. We did, we've done victory marches. Now, some of you, this is like alien. What do you mean? To others of you, that's why Phil's laughing. He knows exactly what we mean. You know, we've done Jericho marches around the church. All, I'll tell you for why in a minute. We've done 24-hour uh, pleading sessions where we've just got to come together and pray for 24 hours. We, we, we've done praying, walking clockwise 
like Mecca and making declarations. We've done praying, walking anti-clockwise, making declarations. We've declared things over things very loudly at times. We've even, we've even gone out of the building on a Sunday morning to come back in. We released a thousand balloons once outside, you know, some prophetic declaration. There, there were. And, we, and we've done stuff with swords as well, but that's probably best left untalked about. But here's the difference, all in the hope of stirring the gods into action. They say, Anth, why do you use the term gods? Because this, to me, is no different than the pagan pleadings of the historic perception of divine beings that says, if we do this, and if we do it right, and if we do it enough, then the gods will move. I need you to know, I no longer see the God of Jesus, who I believe is the God of the Bible, who I believe is the creator, I no longer see him in that light. That's why you have not had me repeating those things because now I think, yeah, we did them genuinely with a pure heart and passionate, but they were a bit weird, weren't they? And I think, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? Now, the sad thing is some have left us longing for the return of those days. So I don't suspect that many of those people will be coming back because we ain't going back. Now, everything we do in life is a response to the three basic elements of our brain function, which are survival, belonging, and meaning. Understanding that and other truths about our psychological makeup has been really helpful to me as we've tried to become who we're supposed to become. And I'm proud of our moves over the years to higher and higher levels of grace and acceptance. I'm also, however, deeply disappointed that increasing levels of grace and acceptance don't seem to lead to increasing levels of loyalty and commitment. In fact, it seems to enable the opposite. Fear, guilt and shame seem to get you a lot further in this game than true grace, love and acceptance. Especially if you can make your gospel of fear, guilt, and shame look like grace, love, and acceptance, which is the deception that's going on. So what would I embrace as a scripture for this time? Being a pastor, I better bring one. And it's from Psalms 23 and verse 4, but it's an amended version. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of doubt, I will fear no new information, for you are with me, and your rod and staff, they comfort me. That's my scripture for today. So, here's where I want to share, and just bringing this to a close. There have been many points in this journey where it's become less a matter of what's best for the success of my ministry, and more about what must I do to be faithful to my integrity. One of the things I've discovered over these years is it so often feels like you can't be safe or secure in your belonging unless you conform. I want you to reflect on something this morning. 
The work of releasing the habits of the past is a heroic endeavor. It requires tremendous courage to face our hurts, losses, anger, and frustrations and carry on. It takes real compassion or flat-out stupidity to not flee from our suffering. Something in us wants to be honest, but something in us also wants to be liked by those around us. And those two desires can create tension. Something in us wants to be good, but something in us also wants to be thought of as good by others. And those two desires often create tension. Something in us wants to be consistent in holding up the same values we placed on the past. But something in us also wants to keep growing. And growing often means changing. So those two desires are often in conflict. When enough conflicting desires wrestle within us, they create a faith crisis. And very quickly, the faith crisis becomes an identity crisis. With so much to lose, we face the temptation to trade away our integrity and honesty for the security of belonging and acceptance. If and when we succumb to that temptation, our good faith decomposes into bad faith. And we become stagnant and divided persons, wearing masks and hiding secrets. In the middle of an identity crisis, whether we're standing in some toilets and staring at a mirror, or lying in bed at night and staring up at a dark ceiling, or standing on a stage preaching to a crowd, many of us engage in a profound cost-benefit analysis. Weighing the benefits of external conformity, belonging, approval, acceptance, familiarity, continuity, salary, against the benefits of honest questioning, integrity, curiosity, authenticity, new discovery. This internal debate puts the intellectual, social, and moral structures of our identity under acute psychological stress. And it pits our survival, belonging, and meaning modules against one another. To relieve that stress, we often make small decisions in the direction of conformity and dishonesty. As a result, the costs to personal integrity keep mounting until they crush us. Seemingly beyond repair. Or create a new liberation. And along with it, a renewed purposeful passion and zest for life. Our questions and doubts are real. And they're not going away. We have to face them head on. I do not wish to participate in a culture where inconvenient truths are carefully hidden to protect some individual or group's self-interest. I want to bring faith to the faithless. But I also want to bring doubt to the faithful. Only then can what sometimes may be painful truths lead to hopeful possibilities. I do not think that what we will find at the end of this is a pit, but a door. Maybe we've already gone through the door, and that's the reason for our current experience. I do believe it is a door 
that leads to a better place. And so continuing my reading from verse 6 of that same psalm, surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever because I am the house of the Lord and so are you. Thanks for listening to another Q York podcast. If you've been inspired by what you've heard today, then why not email us at info at qyork.co.uk and let us know who you are and where you're listening from. We love that you're listening to us and we'd love to hear from you too. Did you know you can also watch all of the talks from Q on our YouTube channel? Just go to youtube.com forward slash qchurchyork. We look forward to having you with us again soon. Until then, enjoy the quest.